You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have Amanda Latifi, who is the co-founder and CEO of Have to Have. Have to Have is a platform that empowers brick and mortar stores to perform just as if it was online. Amanda was named one of five women at the cusp of fashion and technology innovation. Her company is also part of the 2020 New York Fashion Tech Lab. Amanda brings 15 years of experience in retail strategy and brand marketing for Fortune 500 brands like McDonald's, Mars Wrigley, Milky Way, and more. A brand strategist assigned to McDonald's during the recession, Amanda was an integral member of the company's value team studying price sensitivity thresholds across the United States. Amanda, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I know we're going to have a great conversation because you play in in an area that I'm very intrigued in um, and the possibilities of it. So before we dive in, I gave a very top level explanation of Have to Have, but can you tell our listeners a little bit more about Have to Have? Yeah, I'm happy to. So we really positioned Have to Have as the first platform that provides a contactless capture of shopper data to drive cross-channel conversion. And so what that really means is for the first time, we're giving retailers the ability to know exactly what shoppers are browsing in store. So really unlocking that that offline data set that's been uh, a mystery to the retail industry for so long. Well, that's exciting because as the world continues to, to, to shift and, you know, we talked about omni-channel forever, but really mm-hmm. unified commerce is where we're going. It's, <clears throat> it's really difficult to have effective clienteling or wrap your head around the ROI of, of the four walls if you don't really know how to capture intent and really understand how consumers are interacting with products and, and browsing. But I think we use that that term a lot, uh, capturing consumer intent. Well, let's talk about what that means what that means to you and and how have to have can solve that. Yeah, I think when you take a look at the retail landscape in regards to technology that is either in the market or coming to the market, um, a lot of times it tends to be directional or behavioral in the sense that, you know, here's what the picture looks like, but it doesn't always give the retailer the tools and the actualized data to really do something with the information that they've collected, oftentimes through several different touch points, which is a whole other issue that the industry experiences. Um, But for us, being able to capture customer intent is about knowing exactly who was looking at exactly what, having that data in a digestible method that allows the retailer to really do something to drive conversion and create real ROI. I think just knowing that people are feeling this way or looking at this or because they took these behaviors or steps, they might do this. I don't think that's enough for I don't think it's been enough for retail, and I especially don't think it's going to be enough coming out of our, our post-COVID um, environment. And what do you think has been the biggest obstacle causing such a gap between what we're able to capture online and what we're able to capture in store? Oh, it's such a loaded question. There's so many different ways <laughs> to, to kind of talk through this. I mean, biggest obstacle, several obstacles. I think that a lot of the tech that's been brought to retail previously has been cumbersome. 
for both the retailer um, and the shopper. So if you think about, you know, what retailers might have in store, um, a lot of time it's hardware based. So beacons and Wi-Fi. I think that there's not always been a clear value proposition or utility or even function presented to the to the shopper as well. So, you know, how are you solving a major pain point for the retailer? And how are you at the same time creating a offering that matters to the shopper and that they actually need? So I think there's been a big miss as well um, in the sense of, oh, we're going to create a really interesting, you know, experience or tech experience that might not always be a real need for the shopper. You know, we definitely want to go in store and have an experience, but sometimes I want something that provides a benefit to me. I think especially coming out of COVID, you know, we may not be interacting with technology or tools that's kind of there just to have um, an extended time in the store because we may not be looking to extend our time in the store. But I think, you know, data has been a huge gap for, for retail for quite a bit of time and really being able to create that omni-channel understanding of or even that in-store attribution of, you know, this person was shopping in store and they converted on e-com. I'm able to prove that the store should receive credit for that conversion. That's really been a missing link before. We really have not been able to do that, not in a clean way. Absolutely. You talk about there needing to be a clear value proposition, but also I think in technology, another challenge is you can't change consumer behavior, right? So you really have mm-hmm. to create a system that's intuitive to the way in which they're already interacting and then enhance that. Mm-hmm. So how, how, do, how does your platform do that? Yeah, it's a great question. So the way have to have works is when a shopper is in a store, they're able to take a picture of a price tag, text that picture to a short code they're operating for the retailer. We identify the item real time text an image back of the item to the shopper because a lot of times that even helps them want to interact with the product further because they actually see what it looks like on a model or in use. We also text them back a link to their list. When they click that link, it takes them to their list on mobile web. It's everything that a shopper has looked at offline, now captured online. When they click buy, we take them directly to the product page on the retailer site. What we've now done is captured all of the data real time from an in-store shopper, meaning we know exactly who was looking at what UPC URL. And if that shopper has clicked through to look at the product on e-com or not. Now, since we're doing this all through SMS, so we are not an app, we're doing all of this through SMS. We are both capturing the in-store shopper, collecting the data, but then creating a revenue channel for the retailer to drive a sale by being able to communicate on that exact item. So imagine if you're a retailer being able to provide an in-store discount via SMS on the exact item someone's looking at in store, or imagine when someone's left the store in two weeks, being able to text them back an offer or a promotion or even free shipping on that exact item to drive the shopper back to make the conversion. What is really the unlock for us is this all hinges on a behavior to your point that already exists and a pain point for a shopper. So as a shopper, There's no way to save something you find in store. If you think about shopping online, if you're shopping online, you can um, add it to cart. Um, And so that is almost a way for you to save it even without it being a save functionality. Um, But again, there's no way to save something you find in store as a shopper. And so a lot of shoppers have manifested this tactic of taking pictures of the products or tag out of a real need. And there being, you know, a missing technical support to this 
pain point for a shopper. Again, how do I save something to find in store? So we're really utilizing the data that's sitting on people's camera rolls. And we're using functions that people interact with the most on their phone, which is camera and SMS. So everyone knows how to use their camera and everyone knows how to take a picture. So it's not a heavy lift in the sense of you don't have to download an app. You don't have to figure out how to interact with um, AR or VR. You don't have to figure out how to make a mirror work or interact with an iPad, which you may not want to interact with anymore because we're trying to reduce how much we're touching things. So we're really solving a major issue in retail, which is how do I capture any of my own offline data? We're solving a pain point for the shopper. And now we're able to really respond to what's going on in the post-COVID environment too, with it being contactless because the shopper is only interacting with their own personal device. Well, that leads me to my next question is how have you seen COVID, right? And how these early phases of openings unlock additional new opportunities or better opportunities to capture customer intent in store? Yeah. So I think what's so interesting about what's happened is in during COVID is the trajectory that retailers on, it has accelerated it. There's definitely been more digital adoption too with the you know buy online pickup in store or curbside. But I think what this has done for us is shown that the store isn't going anywhere for quite a bit of time. We need the store. The industry needs the store. Commerce needs the store. What this has shown us though, is that the store has got to be more than just a distribution unit. It really needs to be able to act as a marketing arm as well. And that does mean experience. And I understand that, but it also means, you know, why can't I get information um, and data out of the store as well? I think the thing that we're really focused on is there's going to be some behaviors that mimic the recession we saw 0708, which may mean, you know, delayed larger spending, more conservative spending, which is lower check size or, you know, lower UPT, maybe reduce browse because we don't want to be in the store as long or we don't want to interact with as many people. So it might be a lot more get in and get out. And I think where that again creates a unique opportunity for us is, you know, just because someone doesn't buy something right then, it doesn't always have to be price point related. It can be, I need to look around. I want to look around. It may at this point also be, I need to wait till the end of the month till I have a certain amount of money because I don't have as much disposable income as I had previously. And so it really creates a unique opportunity for us in the sense of if people aren't buying as much, if people aren't spending as much, if people aren't in the store as long, you know, how do you really start to make sure that any of these, you know, shopping excursions can somehow lead to a conversion in the future if they don't occur right then in store. You know, I think it's going to be telling which retailers are able to adopt and respond. And I think ones that have been slower to adopt and respond previously are going to have to catch up or they may not stay relevant or even open. That makes complete sense. When you do capture content, and and I would say it could be how have to have does it or how you um, look to evolve to do it. What insights can a retailer uh, or a brand glean from that information? Yeah, again, so we can definitely do insights and trends, but we're also about hard data. So, um, you know, for us, what we're capturing real time is the mobile number of the shopper, which I would argue mm-hmm. is, you know, a better customer identifier than an email because it doesn't have to be do duped. And I, I don't have three emails. I have, you know, one mobile number, but we also know the exact product they're looking at and then attributes around the products so of size and color, for instance. And so you can start to put together a very interesting picture from data insights around these are the times that people are on the floor interacting with products the most. These are the categories of products that people are, are interacting with most. These are the sizes. These are the colors. 
dollars. And so the opportunity in this data set is it's not post-purchase data. And that's the majority of data that's captured in store because we're capturing the data at register. So I know who bought what, but I don't know who is going to buy, which is the data set we have online because, you know, someone goes shopping online, you know what product they look at, you know, when they add to cart, you know how to bring them back. So you're really able to track your traffic online. You can't do that in store. And that's the data set that we can really, you know, help unlock. So it's almost like you're starting to understand opportunity trends. So what are the opportunities that I have? What is being left on the floor? And that's where I really consider this to be net new revenue, because again, this is a data set we've not, you know, had before. No, absolutely. And I think it's one that people have been clamoring for, for so many reasons. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, um, consumers expect us to know them regardless of where they're interacting with us as brands and retailers. Um, and also as there's so much question around attribution to the contribution a store makes, right? That physical environment and mm-hmm. customer journey. Um, we need to capture those insights in order to do that. What, what are some of the customers that, that have to have has worked with over the years? Um, and are there certain buckets that translate better, like maybe certain price points, uh, products of consideration? Can you tell us a little bit about that? So through New York Fashion Tech Lab, pre-COVID, we were slated to partner with um Macy's, Kohl's, um, and Levi's. So still going on with some of those larger conversations. We've been working with a lot of SMBs because they're very nimble and some, you know, D2C brands that are really willing and wanting to test quickly and move quickly. Um, we've also been doing some partnerships with um, retailers on Shopify as well, because the platform is very nimble and allows us to do um, some interesting things. We've done... A very interesting case study around gamification, which is interesting to us. Um, So the way that that can work is creating a reason for someone to go to store to unlock an offer. So it's almost like a digital scratch code is what I say, or scratch voucher. So you're going in store and interacting with products to see if you can unlock an exclusive offer. And what makes it really different is that shopper is getting a promotion against the exact item they're looking at and other people aren't getting it. It's not just a blanket, everything in the store is 10% off or buy this, you know, get that. It, it really creates an interesting dynamic where it's almost a game. So what am I going to win? And it's not that retail hasn't been doing it previously. It's just never been delivered against the exact item someone wants. You know, imagine they're not being sales signs in store and the thing that you want has an offer or a free gift or a promotion for a next purchase. So I think there's some really interesting things that can be be done through um, through that. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about um, those case studies. Like, I, I know you have a couple that you've shared a little bit more publicly. Um, maybe if we can dive into one of them and really highlighting what made what made it successful. Like, what is the formula for um, a successful? I wouldn't call it a campaign, but use of the platform. Yeah, and so um, you know, to your question you asked previously as well as you know, what price point works best? I think that it can be any price point almost. So it's really about, you know, giving the shopper a different experience. So the case study for chili beans, which I'm about to discuss, I'd say is, you know, a cart value that ranged between, let's say $85 to $150 in store. But we've also worked with retailers that have, you know, average order values up to $400, where the shopping experience is more high touch and high clientele. But if you're more of an entry shopper or an aspirational shopper, and you're not going to spend $400 on the first shopping experience, you know, how am I making sure I'm keeping you in the funnel so I can reintroduce that product to you? 
or how are you able to save that product so you can come back and purchase it when you you know you do feel like you can from a financial perspective so really can work against different industries different price points we've seen some successful case studies within beauty as well which have been very interesting for us because if you think about shopping for beauty as a woman you know you flip over the makeup and you take a picture of the barcode because that's where the colors are oftentimes. So we've seen some really great success in in, in beauty and, and CPG as well. Um, the chili beans case study I can discuss was really unique. So chili beans is one of the largest, second largest eyewear companies in the globe, in the world, I guess is a better way to say it. And that was the one that I mentioned about gamification. So we did a program where they had no sales signs up in the fourth quarter you know, when you were all trying to make mm-hmm. holiday numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, the promotion said, um, come in store, take pictures of things that you that you want, and unlock secret savings. So it's a secret savings promotion. And someone would come in store, they would take a picture of a tag, and we would deliver a real time offer against that exact item. So again, imagine you're walking through the mall, everyone has 40% off signs, the store doesn't have up a single sale sign, they just have an experience that says come in and unlock secret savings. And it was promoted socially and within their marketing as well. So it actually drove traffic to the store Um, and people would take pictures of tags. And again, we have a real time feature and functionality where you can unlock an offer real time. It doesn't have to be used that way, but it can be. And so they would take a picture tag, text it and unlock um, a real time offer. And it just was a delightful experience for the shopper because they felt like they were winning, like they were getting something. Right. But then for the sales associate, it gave them a talking point too. It was a game. So they were able to kind of shepherd them through this experience and not feel like they had to do such a hard sale. And some of the offers were cross-promotional. So if you interacted with eyewear, you know, the offer was to redeem um, your prescription lenses. Um, some of the offers were free gift with purchase for cases, which is something they did already. So it can even be used to communicate a service offering that already exists in store that someone may just not be aware of. But when delivered against something you want, it doesn't become a, a generic communication point or marketing offer. It becomes, oh, the retailer gets me. They want me to have this. They're giving me an offer on this thing that I'm looking at and that I want. It's just a, it's a much more impactful um, and conversion driving experience that way. I think that answers the question of how your platform also serves as a tool for sales and marketing teams, um, which at the end of the day, you know, that's what it's kind of like the abandoned cart. You shop online and something's added to cart and then you can continue that conversation. You know, have insights of I added this dress, exactly. maybe you can seduce me with free shipping or, um, or a similar product or it's back in stock or whatever it is. And it helps you continue that conversation. And, and I'm guessing also track you know, so you could give some insights. I'm thinking of a lot of scenarios, but say um, this item was added to cart. The average person adds this to cart, purchase it a week later. These are the other things that they also do before they before they buy it. Like, what are some of the analytics around that? Exactly. And so I think what's really important for us is the point you made about store attribution. So we've really not before been able to tell what econ conversions should have been credited to the store, which is such an odd situation when you think about the majority of conversions happening in store and that's where we know so much less and so we really do help retailers understand that if someone interacted with this product in store and they bought later on e-com that's where that attribution came from um to your point really starting to understand 
you know, people are interacting with these items the most. People are waiting this long to make a purchase, even being able to almost QA the conversion offers. So, hey, you don't need to offer 15% off. People are actually converting at 10. So it really almost creates like optimizely for the offline world. So really being able to one, have the data, first of all, which you really don't have to understand it better and three sharpen your your toolkit as well by saying you know these are the things that consumers are actually responding to you know i don't need to do this or i do need to do more of that and being able to dial it up real time because again our platform is sms based you go on the back end and you change it real time this isn't i've already put up all these signs or i've invested in a marketing campaign i can't change it now this is about being able to capture data real time and respond to it real time as well which i think is a big unlock for offline so to that to that note, what does it take to onboard a brand? What does it a brand or retailer have to do? How what are the what are the basic steps and and how long does that take? Yeah, this is the best part. We <laughs> have tried to reduce all of the barriers as much as we possibly can. So for a retailer to partner with us, we simply ingest their product feed. We don't have to integrate. We don't have to implement much. I don't need to touch the POS. There are things that we can do more of, but to have a basic function and to essentially unlock all of your tags and all of your stores, we ingest the retailer's product feed. And then to take it a step further, we really partner from a strategic perspective to really work with them on the comm strategy to understand you know, offers, promotions, or communications that really help the retailer. Um, we have automated messaging. So if someone takes a picture of a tag and texts it, and there's a change in that item, they would automatically get a sale alert or an inventory alert or a restock alert with the retailer doing nothing. And then if the retailer wants to create real-time offers or lapsed offers, meaning if someone interacts with outerwear in my store in two weeks, tell them this, that's all just set up on our back end. And then it's automated going there forward. Um, so for us, it's very easy to start working together. We literally could have someone up in three days if retailers can move that quickly as well. Um, but we do work with retailers to really refine the comm strategy for, you know, what's the call to action in store? How are you communicating that? So we try to act as like as a partner in this as well and create, you know, learnings and share learnings that we've had from other retailers that have seen success because we're first to market on this. It's a new technology. We're not an SMS platform where you're just blasting message. We're a way again to capture that in-store shopper, collect the data, get them in the funnel, have them stay in your funnel, not go in your store, look at an item, get on their phone and find it somewhere else cheaper. It's about returning that foot traffic to the retailer of origin and keeping them in the funnel, which you know then lends to more loyalty, a greater lifetime value of that shopper. Because I'm a believer that the in-store shopper is of greater value, but they're the shopper that we've been more abusive to. So, you know, if you think about going to, well, when we used to go to the mall, we'd get in our car, we would drive there, we'd have to park in the parking garage, we would then pass a lot of other retailer thresholds to get to your door. And then once there, oftentimes the offers or experience or interaction is better online. So, you know, why isn't that just that one same experience be provided in the store, if nothing else? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think about that all the time. And the seamlessness of it is really the key. I think consumers are getting more and more adapt. I mean, in, in this condensed time period of being home from COVID more than mm-hmm. ever, where our phones are really becoming our remote control to, to, to do a lot of things within retail. So it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves as 
we as consumers, I mean, we sit on both sides, right? But we as on the consumer side mm-hmm. of things, we're just becoming somewhere much more fluent with this, right? And it's becoming such second yes. nature to to interact this way. So it's definitely exciting times. Um, and it was great to dive in a little bit deeper with the importance of capturing consumer intent, what it can unlock, um, how brands and retailers can use it as a tool for sales, marketing, and also to really that attribution of the contribution of um, of the four walls, which which is something that mm-hmm. has been an ongoing conversation and will be even more so after all of this. So before I let you go, I ask everybody this, um, because we're living <laughs> in this time that we don't know how long it's going to last, um, most of 2020 probably, but you're in a cool place down in Nashville, which I love. Um, next time I'm able to travel down there or any of our listeners, what are the two or three things that we must do? I mean, Nashville is a city of music, so you definitely have to have to see um, a show. I think you could easily, well, maybe you grab some, you, you listen to some music outside, depending on how things land with with COVID. But um, you definitely have to see some live music. You can even just hear it by walking down Broadway. It's one of the uh, streets over here. It's a great cocktail scene. Grab a drink on a, a rooftop. Pinewood Social is a place that we really like. It's got a bowling alley um, inside as well, and then. Um, in true fashion, you're going to have to go shopping. There's some great vintage boutiques here and some great like brick and mortar stores just, you know, along some of the streets. So 12 South and the Gulch and Germantown, there's just some great shopping, um, spots that it's fun to experience the city that way as well. Well, that's a perfect trifecta. Listen to a little music while you have your cocktail, then go shopping. Get a drink, go shopping. Exactly. <laughs> yes, everything always oh, fits I miss better. Those with, days. I know, and everything always fits better with a cocktail. So, listen, and if it doesn't, you take a picture of the tag, and you know we can um, text you information about it. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> perfect. I love it. Well, um, everyone, this was Amanda Latifi from Have to Have. This was a really great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was fun to have you. Um, This is another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast hosted by me, Melissa Gonzalez. Until the next one.